this morning? Doing good? Yeah, I'll tell you what, if this is Australia, it'd be a bit louder. Are you doing good? Yeah. Very nice. Who's loving the weather so far? I'll tell you what, this heat's lovely. <laughs> I left my country for a reason, and yeah, it followed me. So, today what we are going to be getting into, and what I will be speaking on, and it's something that the Lord put on my heart, and it's something that I'm very passionate about, close enough to that I actually got it tattooed on me. And if you guys know me, I do love my tattoos, a lot of them, all of them actually are based off my faith and where God has taken me and put me. Funny thing is, is a lot of them, I don't know the meanings until later on. Now, when I designed these, my tattoos, the sleeve, it took me a year and a half to put it all together. And I did so that it was a Holy Spirit that was orchestrated in it. I didn't want any part of it. I would just pray about it and see what happened. So today's title will be, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And what does that actually look like and what does that mean? And fair enough, I got it on my wrist. So I can look at it every day and remind myself, but this scripture is, is powerful enough because I want to I go into death. What does it actually mean? How do we live like Christ? And yet, how is death something that we gain? How is it that that is something that is amazing in itself? So I want to look at who wrote this scripture. Now, do you guys know actually who wrote this scripture, to live is Christ and to die is gain? No, we don't. Oh, Paul. Oh, very nice. Yeah, so Paul, the apostle, wrote this scripture. Now, I'm going to be reading from my Bible, the Amplified, and this one I don't have up because I'm going to obviously read them all out to you, so hopefully you guys can understand my language and we will go from there. So I want to look at verse 21. So this is Philippians 1, verse 21. Now verse 21 talks about to live as Christ and to die as gain. I want to go before that. I want to go to verse 20 with what actually Paul is saying before this. How does, how does a man, just like us, walk the earth filled with the Spirit, have the understanding and conclusion to live is Christ, nothing else matters and to die is gain. How does he come to that? So in verse 20 it says, this is in keeping with my own eager desire and persistent expectation and hope that I shall not disgrace myself nor be put to shame in anything but that with the utmost freedom of speech and unfailing courage, now as always, Heretofore, Christ the Messiah will be magnified and get glory and praise in this body of mine and be boldly exalted in my person, whether through life or through death. Then verse 21 goes on to say, For me to live is Christ, he, his life in me, and to die is gain, the gain of the glory of eternity. To, to live whether it be, whether it be by life or by death. How, how, does, how does one do this? As, as Paul is, is, is speaking this, you have to come from an understanding of where Paul comes from. That is, that is the whole point. How, how do we understand Paul's, Paul's mind in this? As, as, he write, as he writes this, you know, you think, okay, a revelation of such multitude, if, if this man, like us, there's no difference from the same spirit that is, lives in us. Would you guys agree? Man, I tell you what. Would you guys agree? Thank you. All right. It's going to be very boisterous today. I need you guys to be hearing what I'm saying. If a man that is the same as us, that has the same spirit that has been bestowed onto him as us, is coming from this understanding of to live is everything about Jesus. To live henceforth and everything I do 
And if I die, well, then I die, and yet again, it is glory. So then how does he do this? How does a revelation come about this? If we go to Galatians 1, verse 12, I do have this one on the screen, so you guys can read along with me with this. But it says, For indeed, I did not receive it from man, nor was I taught it, but it became to me through a direct revelation given by Jesus Christ, the Messiah. It says it there. How does, how does a man like this come with a revelation? He, he wasn't taught it. He didn't go to a, a, a Bible study. In fact, actually, if you knew the background of Paul, it would be very opposite to this. He didn't come from a a Sunday meeting, he didn't come from a Wednesday night gathering where his parents took him every single day, he didn't come from a teaching. You know, these days we get into the habit of thinking, for anyone to be upon this platform, you have to do eight years of schooling. And yet, there is nowhere where it says it in the word that I can find personally, where it says the Great Commission is, go to school for eight years, and then you'll be fit enough to go preach the gospel. And if you find it somewhere different, please come tell me, I would, I would like to know. But it doesn't. See, Paul doesn't have that understanding. For him, it's, it's childlike faith. For him, he had a revelation where Christ met him and was like, you know what? I'm going to give you and impart to you the revelation of what you are called to do. And, and I read this and I'm like, oh, God, I, I, I would love to be like Paul. I, I would love an impartation. I would love a revelation of such multitude and I know you guys probably reading this at times like, oh, this would be amazing. I would love that. I would love it. And we pray for it. Mind you, be careful with what you pray. I don't know if people tell you that enough, but be careful with what you pray because it will happen. And I've seen that enough in my life where sometimes I think, why did I ask for that? Because now it is happening. The thing is, we have an idea of how it should happen in our minds. It's like, oh, if I pray for it, it should come like this. And God's like, That's, I never said it was going to happen like that. Where is it written that I said, I will form and bend to the will of the things I created? He created it before we were even here. So here, here it is. This is us, we're praying, God, give me this revelation that you've given Paul. And then we get beaten down, confused and broken when we have a Damascus Road incident. You want, you want, a, you want a, a multitude, a magnitude of a revelation from God you're going to have to walk a road that you can't see. You're going to have to walk a road where you are blind, where you are trusting God so much that, okay, this revelation has been given to me, but how? How can I do this? I ask for it, but I don't know where I'm going. That is the point. Is it not? You want a revelation at such a multitude, you're not going to be able to see where you're going. Because to live is by faith. To live is to walk as I have my eyes shut and I'm going to continue to walk in by faith, and there are things that are going to come up against me, well, so be it, bring them on, because I know who my Savior is, and I know what He did for me, and so I'm going to continue to walk like this, and I'm going to continue to walk until my eyes are opened a bit more, and they're a bit more, and the more I grow, and the more I grow in everything God is doing, I'll start to see where He is taking me. I'll start to realize that this revelation of who He is, it costs the road to Damascus. It costs that. Because to live is Christ and to die is gain. To live is Christ. I, this is going to be repeated throughout today. 
because I want you guys to understand what it actually is saying, what Paul is bringing you. To live is Christ and to die is gain. We look at, we look at the, the New Testament and we look at Old Testament and I know there are those that can be like, oh yeah, but New Testament's so nice. Like, oh, it speaks so nice to my heart. Like, Jesus came and he died for my sins and I feel so much better. The Old Testament shows God's wrath and I don't like that. I, d- I don't want any part of that. Guys, this is the gospel. It may say here in, in, in four books, it, that may be the gospel. That is the gospel. In its entirety. That is what you guys need to understand. To live as Christ and to die as gain was preached and was talked about in the New Testament. You have to remember that the New Testament is Christ. The Old Testament reveals Christ. Do, do, do you guys understand that? The, the New Testament is Christ. A New, a new Testament, Testament, a new covenant. Christ died. He created a new covenant for you. The Old Covenant, the Old Testament was a law. Now, the law was taken away, but the law was first put there to be a guidance. How many of you know that when you walk, you may be walking in a, uh, a sin that you may be unaware of? How about the, the saying, everyone, has anyone ever heard, ignorance is bliss? Yeah? So you may be walking in something until you highlight it, it's like, oh, I actually didn't realize it was, that was bad. You, you know what? Maybe, maybe I'm going to stay away from that. That, that was the point of what the Old, Old Testament, that was the covenant of what God made. He gave ten commandments and he says, Israelites, this here, this is what I want you to live by. This is the, the do's and don'ts. Now, I'm not saying that that is, that's a boss, that's gone. That's, that's not what I'm saying. But God said, you know what? You guys got so caught up in the fact of I gave you these ten commandments and then you went, you know what? If you're not living by this, then you're a terrible person. And if you're not living like this and you're not a good person, you can't come to God then. So I'm going to now separate people. And there are going to be religious people over here and there's going to be people that aren't so good. That's what the Old Testament, that is what the Old Covenant ends up creating. Not because God did that, because man twisted it. Man, understand me on that. Man twisted it to their own forms of what they wanted to see. This is what I want to see and this is how I'm going to do it. And if it doesn't fit how I want it, I don't care. And so God was like, how have they got it so wrong? How is it that they don't understand? So what did he do? He sent his son. He's like, you know what? I'm going to have to send the, the only one thing that can resolve this. Do you guys understand the multitude of what Jesus did? Like we, we forget about it and I'm going to go into more depth later on and understand it. But he was crucified. It was actually a death so brutal that, you know, that crucifixion was something that was only for criminals, funny enough. Only for criminals, and Jesus was put to death on it. He was so mutilated that they had to stop crucifying people after that. That should make you sick in your stomach. They they crucified the king of kings to the point where they're like, we can't do this anymore, and we're going to stop it because that that is not right. That isn't even human. That is what God, this is, this is, is like, you know what, I want to give eternity to my people, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to send my one and true son, that if they abide by him, if they come to know him and call them, him as their Lord and Savior, they will be saved forever. And we have gotten into the habit of thinking that calling just once 
is enough. That being like, okay, Jesus, you're my Lord and Savior. Cool, thank you. All right, I'm going to carry on with what I've been doing. But that's fine, I'm covered. I'm covered. Just don't worry about it. Trust me, I, I've done that. I've been there. If you, if you guys didn't know, I am originally from Australia. <laughs> Good accent. Wow, thanks. Yeah. So I moved here three years ago, started 2020. Great timing, I know. God knows what he's doing. Am I right? I am right. Obviously, straight into the pandemic, God has taken me on such a journey. I came here, came here for a reason. He hijacked that and did it for his own reasons. Funny enough, turned out that that was actually the reason what I originally wanted. I just had no idea of what I wanted. So we have to continually be like, okay, it's not just a one-time prayer. It is something that I'm going to have to continually walk out in. So how, how do I do it then? How, how do I live like Christ? What does it mean? Okay, well, well, let's go back. We just talked that. The New Testament reveals is Christ. Old Testament reveals Christ. So let's reveal him. Let's look. Let's look at Job. Anyone know Job here? I told you we're going to be boisterous. Does anyone know Job here? Okay, and if you don't, perfect, because I'll do a little bit of background. So Job was considered one of the wealthiest men of his time. Now, you guys got to remember, this is something that blows my mind. I read the word, like, when I, when I look into Egypt. We look at where the world is now and the continents are split up. I look back in the day, things weren't like they are now. So when Egypt, if you go back to when Joseph was in Pharaoh and he, he talks about he was sat under Pharaoh, he was the, the second in command. It wasn't just of Egypt, it was the whole earth. The whole earth. That's where God put him. So Job now, looking at Job, was one of the wealthiest men of, of his time where he was. The stature, the, the ability, who he was in what God was doing through him. Now he had wealth, wealth beyond multitudes. And so one day the, the devil goes, goes looking and roaming for someone to devour, for someone to be like, oh, I'm going, to take this, I'm going to take this person. And he finds Job. And so listen to when I say this, the devil goes to God. Are you guys hearing me? The devil goes to God because the devil can't just go where he wants. When I say everything comes under God, I'm not just meaning like the angels, I'm meaning everything comes under God. Everything. The devil goes to God and he goes, I... I see this man, Job, I see how he praises you and glorifies you and worships you amongst everything. And Job was known as this. Job was known as a man of, he has all this wealth and he loves God to bits. And the devil was like, you know what? He only loves you because of everything you have given him. That's the only reason he loves you. God was like, it's definitely not. It's not. Now, I've spoken on this before. And I've spoken on Job before and in depth and it's, there's a part of it where people ask, Does, can the devil read your thoughts? Can he read your mind? Because I think that's sometimes we can get caught up in that. Oh, he knows what I'm thinking. He just knows. Like, I hit a red light today on the way to work, and he just knew I was already having a bad day, and now he gave me a red light and I'm having an extra bad day. And he just, he must know. Well, if he knew, then why would he have gone after Job? Because the thing is, we can read the word ahead. That's, that's the best part about it. We can just skip to the back and read the best part. See, devil couldn't do that. He can't understand it. So he was like, no, I, I want to I wanna go after this man. So God was like, you do what you want, just don't lay your hands on him. Don't kill him. You do what you want. So anyway, everything is taken from him. His wealth, his children, everything is gone and he is left into nothing. 
And, and so what, what does he do? I look at myself, and I, w- I would like to think I would do the same as Job, but, but would I in that moment? If, if I had lost all my children, if I had lost my, my cattle, my, my produce, my houses, my land, all my wealth, would I be able to do what Job did, come before God and be like, oh, I don't care. God, I don't know why this is happening. I don't understand it, but I'm going to still worship you and serve you in the pain. I'm going to serve you and worship you in the suffering and the torment. He was once considered the wealthiest man and he was put down to nothing. And yet, if you read, he loved the Father more than most people would in that moment. He put God first when his friends were like, I'm pretty sure he said something to disagree with God. I think he might need to go repent. To be honest, they're not very nice friends. Tell you that much. So then his wife, I tell you, you know what? His wife, I promise you right now, his wife is someone that I'll just be like, <laughs> rubbed the wrong way, am I right? All my days. She was like, nah, you, got, you have to, you're going to have to do this. You're going to have to tell God, like, I'm, I'm done. I'm not serving you anymore because you've taken everything. You've taken everything, my, my king-size bed and these lovely, <laughs> lovely covers and my ornaments and dresses, he's taken them from me, so you have to... And he was like, woman, I tell you what, you better pipe down. This God is my God. He is my God. He is my God. Job was to live Christ and to die his gain. We, we look at his wealth and everything that's been stripped from him, but we forget he had boils and sores. Like if you actually get someone to someone within the medical field that deals with this to write out exactly what the sort. I tell you what, like, ugh, no thanks, but it was, dis- it was yucky, disgusting, like, it wasn't pleasing to the eye. I mean, losing wealth should have turned him away. To then even get him near to death of everything, of all his skin, of everything peeling off, his friend's like, man, tell you what, surely soon, he's, and he's there, and he's on his knees, he's like, no. I still love God so much that I know what he's doing and I trust him in what he's going to come forth. Because to live is Christ and to die is gain. That I may live in such a way that pleases the Father and if I die, then so be it, I die. Even even the point, we we could cut out this bottom part, don't even worry about that. To live is Christ, that should just be enough. That should be, if you are following God today, if heaven wasn't a thing, if heaven never existed, Take that in mind. We all, we all went to, to one place. Thank you, Lord, that heaven does exist. But we all went to the same place. It doesn't exist. Would you still follow God in everything you do today? Would you still walk down your streets? Would you still preach the gospel? Would you still be friendly to your neighbor and open the door at your work to your work colleague and put a smile on your face every morning and thank God when you wake up? Would you still do that if heaven didn't exist? Because that's, that's what it should be. Trust me, I, I have battled with this for so long. I need need you guys to understand that when people speak up here, this this isn't like, oh, we've got it all together and we understand it. As a matter of fact, it's more like we're speaking to ourselves and you guys are just watching. We are are speaking to ourselves in such a way, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, Holy Spirit, far out, I tell you that much. I need to be doing more of this in my life. Even, Even the preparation for this word should be, I should be doing more of this in my, how can I live more like Christ? 
that I show it in such a way as I stand up here that you guys should be like, yeah, I want the same thing. That's, that, that, in, that entirely what, that's what it should be. The entirety of this whole message is, how can I live like Christ? And I should show it in such a way that it makes you guys, because if I can't do it, and I'm up here speaking it, how are you guys then supposed to do it? If the people are up here aren't living out what they're speaking, how is it that then the sheep are supposed to follow? How is it that then you guys are hungry, wanting it, supposed to want it? Because it isn't even to do with me. It's not about me who's up here. I tell you what, it, and it should never be. It, it isn't the point. I'm not up here to show you this is who I am and this is how I do things. I could, there's a saying, you could live like the devil during the week and walk like Jesus on a Sunday. Why? Because it isn't me who's preaching because the power isn't out of this. The power is out of that. And that is what it should be. That I could do what I want and yet if I got up here on a Sunday and there were healings and miracles being done, people were like, how, how does he do that? And what is, it shouldn't even be the question. It should be, thank you God that you've been doing this my entire life. Thank you that I'm able to witness all these miracles done at the front. Thank you that I'm able to be a part of that. And it should go up and be like, Thank you, Pastor, for listening to the Holy Spirit. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor. We, uh, Pastor Daniel and myself, we were at a, a conference. I know you spoke earlier. And there was, um, it was uh, a prophetic boot camp. We had two, two prophets there that were speaking. And Isabel, if you want to know more about the, the last name, I'm not going to be able to help you with that one. You can talk Scullison. Isabel and Thorain Scullison. Thank you, Pastor Daniel. And they talked about when, when we prophesy and when you, you impart something to someone, I don't, I don't want to know what's going to change in your life until two weeks later. This is what Thorain said. And he went somewhere and he did that and he, he gave words to people and he said to the pastor, don't, don't tell me anything that happened in the two weeks. Why? Because I don't want them to come to me and say thank you. I want to hear an email of them being like, how good is God that he did this in my life? Because the point of this isn't, isn't that I am the one that gets glorified, it's that he gets glorified and he's exalted. That is the point of everything that we do. To live is Christ. To live is Christ and to die is gain. You look at John the Baptist, a man that walked before Jesus, was like a brother, right? Funny enough, cousins, but let's look at it, a brother, yeah? A man that says, Oh, the one that is greater comes after me, and I would even be lucky to tie his sandals. Considered a, a crazy, crazy man. I promise you that much. And I've come to realize that you have to be crazy to walk in this space. When you see some weird people, I promise you right now, they're weird because of what God's doing in their life. And I've only experienced that recently. <laughs> I mean, I've been weird for a while, but I haven't realized that. But um, so John the Baptist paved the way for Christ, yeah? He was martyred. The way he died, it was, it was, there were such things going on with King Herod and certain family ties that should not be tying. Let me just say that. And so John the Baptist was like, you know what? No, this isn't, this isn't going to stand. I'm going to go there for a reason and I'm going to speak the truth. I'm going to live as Christ and if I die, so be it. So he goes to King Herod and he says these things. And 
what ends up happening is, long story short, the man's head gets just taken off. Now, there were the, the wife of King Herod did not like John the Baptist. There are going to be people that do not like you. And for those out there that are like, yeah, but everyone loves me, I promise you right now, well, then there's going to be a really big person that does not like you coming soon. Because if you are walking out in such a way to live as Christ and to die as gain, that is my motto. If you're walking out in such a way like that, then you'll have opposition. And you know what? Let it come. That is the whole point of let this opposition come because it must mean I'm doing something right. Shouldn't it? That must mean. So, so John the Baptist goes and he is marked at his head, clean, straight off. And he was marked for the face, but that wasn't even his concern. It wasn't even his concern. Because to live is Christ and to die is gain. Christ is lived throughout every single one of these men. Every single one of them. He is lived, he is shown, so that when we can read, we have an understanding that Christ was here, the Old Testament, he was there, and he was there in the new, and he came to show us, okay, I have men that have walked before me, that have lived as though I have been with them, and they've lived in such a way, and now what I'm going to do is I'm going to come down and I'm actually going to show you. Jesus, Jesus didn't just leave it to us. God wasn't like, you know what? I'm going to let my creation live, and then I might help them out. No, no. Christ was like, you know what? If I'm to be their savior, then I have to show them. If I'm, if I'm asking them to live like me, well, I'm going to show them how to live like me, and I'm going to give them examples, and I'm going to live in such a way that they can look back one day on probably one of the, the best book that was ever written. The best book that was ever written because it is so much more than that. And I'm going to live in such a way that then they can be like, he is a God that not only speaks, but a God that comes and moves. You know, I was doing a, a, a course. I do Transform Life course, which funny enough is now called, oh, I've got to fix that, which is now called Inside Out. Woo, cool name, thank you. So, yeah, I'm doing this through our very own, or our students, Katie. And there's a part in it that goes, okay, now that you see God as though you see him, how does it make him any different from any other religion? And if someone came to you now, would you guys be able to ask that question? If someone came to you and said, what makes your God any special than mine? For starters, mine is like God. That should just be enough. But anyway, how about I go into more depth? My favorite answer, and I love this question. If you guys know me, I love questions. But this is one of my most, this is one of my most favorite questions. I know English, but we'll carry on because it's a running joke. This is my favorite because they go, okay, what makes your God any different? Why? Because there are religions today, not all of them, but there are some that go, okay, if you love your God so much, die for your God. If you, if you love him so much, you should be able to die for your God, yeah, and then, then that should be sweet. You will have all this glory and all this. You should be able to die for your God, and that should be enough. So, so what's the difference with, with your religion? And this is, what, this is what you guys should use, and I want you guys to understand this. The difference is that my God died for me. The difference is 
is that yours asked you to die for yours, but first mine came down, died for me, and now says live in such a way. That is the whole point, that he is a God that is relatable, a God that is understanding, a God that says, live like Christ, but first I will live. And then you guys follow how I live, and I'll be example. And when you may slip up, and when you may feel like you are doing a terrible job, guess what? That is perfectly fine. Because I am with you, and I'm going to guide you, because I'm a God that doesn't just leave you here. I'm not a God that does one-time saving and says, okay, you are sweet by yourself. No, I'm a God that walks you and marches you to your destiny, to your calling, until you can stand before me and say, I'm a completely different person. He's not a God that leaves you where you were, but he's a God that says, son, daughter, you may be crying now, but you have no idea who I have called you to be. You have no idea. And I'm not going to leave you there. I'm not. What I'm actually going to do is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build in you and I'm going to be the potter and the artist and I'm going to sculpt you and mold you and I'm going to put you on the shelf to grow. And then when it comes time again, I'm going to take down a sculpture and mold you. And I'm going to leave you time to grow in that again. And then when you feel like you have the understanding, because I've been there, oh, I know exactly what I'm doing. God's going to take you down. You have no idea. And I'm going to sculpt you and mold you again. And he keeps doing that and refining you and refining you until you are pure like Christ. And when that day comes, I promise you that right now, it'll be something that'll be so glorious. But I'm not going to live in like, oh, I so want to be this person. I'm not going to live in, okay, when that day comes, then that'll be amazing. I'm not going to live there, no. Because here, here now is holy. That should be enough. You shouldn't be caught up in thinking, I'm going to wait till that day comes when I'm, I'm perfect. No, because here is holy, so I'm going to walk. And I'm going to walk. I'm going to hit the wall. And then I'm going to be like, you know what? No, it says that he goes before my walls, and he's already been there. So he's going to stand beside me, he's going to break down the wall, and then we're going to keep on going and going, and I'm going to hit another wall, and he's going to do the exact same thing. Why? Because he is God that doesn't leave you, but he's a God that walks with you until you are in perfection. That is, that is the whole point. It comes to a point where it's like, to live is Christ. Okay, how, how do I come to an understanding? How do I become so in tune with that, that I continually think like that on my mind, that... You become to a point when you're like, okay, I'm so sold out that my brain, my mind, my soul, everything synchronizes with the Father. That I don't see things as once they were, but I now see them as this. It, doesn't it say, I want to I go to Isaiah 55, 8 to 9. Doesn't it say, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. If, 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 that, if, that, if that's what the, the scripture says and we all believe that this is truth, if, if how do I become such a way that I'm thinking to live as Christ every single day of my life, and I want you guys to understand that when it comes to that, it doesn't mean I have to be a, a, a pastor to do that or I have to be a, a prophet amongst thousands to do that. Or I have to be standing in front of millions to be able to do that. You can live like Christ in your workplace. In a matter of fact, it should be a more of a challenge to do that. Why? Because we are in such a time now in a world that has no idea who their Savior is. And I have honestly 
fed up and I've had enough of living with a generation that has no idea who they are. And it leads them such astray. And the world says, oh, you've got to do this. And right now the enemy's like, oh, I'm having a field day. This is, this is easy. Because I'm not even doing half the work. All I'm doing is I create a little bit and then I let them run with themselves. I'm not, I'm not even on the reins anymore. They're doing it. This is easy. This is a playground. And yet we're in here and we should be out there in the workplaces, in the business, in the secular world, doing what we are called to do here. You don't come to a church on a Sunday to be filled. You come to a church on a Sunday to be overflowed. The equipping doesn't come here. The equipping comes during your week, in your own time, reading the word, coming to an understanding. But then on a Sunday, I can come and meet with my brothers and sisters and be overflowed. That on a Sunday, I can come and enjoy being around people that are like-minded, that are Christ-minded. Because his thoughts are higher than my thoughts. His ways are so much higher than my ways. So I'm going to elevate my thinking to be his thinking. And I'm going to elevate my ways of once I was here, I'm going to elevate my ways to be here now and I'm going to walk out in that. I may have no understanding of how to do that, but I want to know. Let that, that, that be a question every single day is, I don't have an understanding of how to do it though. And God's like, cool, let me take you there. That, that, that's the whole point. You're not supposed to have it all figured out. You're not, because if we had it all figured out, we would be God, wouldn't we? And then we'd, be, we'd all be God, and oh, lovely, and all this, I tell you what, I'd, I wouldn't want to be God. I'm stressful now, even in my life, I tell you what, I'm managing hardly nothing. If I had to manage all of you guys and all your prayers, I promise you right now, I would be very old and have gray hair. That, that is the point, because we're not meant to have it figured out, because the dependency and the understanding is leaned on God. What, what did Paul mean? I want to come back to Paul. What did Paul mean when he says to live is Christ and to die is gain? See, living as, living as Christ isn't easy. Do, do you guys understand that? And I want you guys to hear what we're saying. Is we may have people that are up here on these, on these platforms, and yet we're, we're the same, there's no differences. We're not higher than you guys. There's nothing like that. In fact, we should be lower than you guys. In fact, we should be down here and you guys up here. That's how it should be. We should lower ourselves because the last one is the first and the first is the last. And that is how we come into the kingdom. And Jesus portrayed that. He portrayed it not only in us as humans, but in, in the way even met, um, the animal kingdom is. You look at a pack of wolves. Side note, you look at a pack of wolves. Do you want to know how they walk and how they protect? You have a fighter at the front, usually one or two. You then have the children behind them. And then you will have the elderly, the mothers. Then you'll have two more fighters. And guess what? You've got the leader right at the back. Why? Because he sits at the back making sure that whoever's going to try and come from behind, because as you should know, in the animal kingdom, you don't attack from the front. If you're going to kill something, you come from behind. And you get it when least expecting it. And so, they'll come from behind, but don't worry, because the, the, the strongest, the, the leader of the whole thing, he's at the back. He knows what he's doing. God doesn't write it in our DNA. He puts it in all of humanity. He puts it in mankind. He puts it in the way he created this world, is you want to be first, then you lead at the back. So, so what did Paul say? You know, it, it's not easy. It's, it's uncomfortable. Living, living as Christ is uncomfortable. Oh, God, it's... Oh, I lay awake at night and I can't deal with this. It, it is tormented. It, it, I just don't like it. It isn't easy. 
that, that, that is the point. Understand that that is the point. Go to John 17, verse 16 and 18. And I want you guys to see this. And this is, this is funny enough, this is Jesus speaking. That's, that's my favorite part of the word. Jesus, Jesus, it even highlights when Jesus speaks. So I'm like, oh, I'll tell you what, he's speaking right there. That, that must be, that must be fast right there. So this is what it says. John 17, 16. They are not of the world, worldly belonging to the world, just as I am not of the world. Verse 18. Just as you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. It's uncomfortable. Living as you, Jesus, is uncomfortable. I don't understand it. Because if it was comfortable, you'd be conforming to the world. Wouldn't that be correct? If, if life was super comfortable and this is going great. And I'm, I'm not taking away from the times when life is, is sweet. Trust me, there are times when life is sweet. Kushti, kushti manushti, love it, easy, very nice. Yes, life can be sweet. There are going to be times when you feel like you are walking in a valley. And I was once on a mountain, but I don't understand why I'm down here. Because the whole point is when the enemy sees you flourishing and spreading the message, he's like, oh, well, then I'm just going to stop him. I, I'm going to stop him from doing that in whatever way I can. And then when he's in the valley, and then he wants to try and keep you there. And there may be a thought, and there may be something planted, and then he's like, okay, sweet. I know that they overthink everything. I know that they overthink everything, so one thought should be enough. Maybe I'll chuck in two. He schemes. This is what he does. And so he leaves you with your thoughts. And so then he goes, all right, were they in the valley? I might just leave them in the valley for how long? You, they could walk that valley for a year, six months. They could be in there for ages compared to them because humans freak out over everything. It's ridiculous. Everything. It's so easy. But that the valley should be a place where it's like, this is the only time that I'm able to go into be in a place where this is horrible, but I'm going to worship God because this may be the only time that I get to worship him in this pain. I may not have this very pain right now, so instead of me wallowing in it, I'm going to you know what, God? I'm going to give it to you. Thank you for where you are taking me. I'm going to exalt myself above myself and put on your thoughts, and I'm going to walk out in such a way because I am not of this world, but I've been sent here to preach the good news that Jesus Christ has come so that you may not be stuck, that you may not be stuck in who you are, you may not be lost, you may not be wondering why is everything so dark around me, but he has come to give you truth and life. And then he's not just going to leave you there. He's come to be like, okay, now let's walk together and let's do life together because I love you so much. All right, God, so, so how do I live with Christ? All right, so you, you ask these questions, okay. When you are persecuted, pray for those that persecute you. When you are beaten, turn the other cheek. When those that come for you, because there will be those that come for you, I want you to love them. I, I want you to love them. <sighs> but how? The, the world says, when those that come to persecute you, oh, slander them. When those that come to beat on you, you know what? Put in another hand. You know, just work them back the other way. Give them a little one-two. That's, that's perfectly fine. And when those that come for you, I tell you what, you chase them twice as hard. So that is not what the world says, is it not? And 
And that's where we can get so caught up is we are not of the world. So how is it that I can live in such a way that demonstrates Christ that when people look at me, I'm able to, they're able to be like, wow, what is it that you have different that I don't have? Why is it that when people come for you, why is it that when you are persecuted, you are so loving, you're so caring? And you may, be, you may have to put, put that on. You may have to pick that up every single day and wear that. Oh, today, today, trust me, I have these days. Today is going to be a tough day. But I may be the only Bible that someone may ever see in their entire life. And if for one instance, they may be at a point where they're like, God, show me a sign today. If you show me a sign, I'll believe in you. He has called you to put on a clothing of love so that, okay, you meet this person. God, I'm not feeling it. No, I'm good, thanks. I don't want to talk to you. And they're like, oh, I guess, all right, I'll go throughout my day not knowing from God. You had that one moment. Now, God is going to put someone else in their life because it's not only you. God puts so many people in other people's life. The whole point is we can be that blessing. We can be that privilege of being like, you know, I want to partake in what you are doing, Holy Spirit. So I want to be available for what you are going to do. I am going to be available to live like Christ. Why? Because that is enough. To live like Christ should be enough. In everything I face, it should be enough. Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Paul was thrown into prison. Prison is probably one of my biggest nightmares. Paul was thrown into prison. and said, okay, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Okay, Paul was thrown into prison, yeah. Yeah, rejoice and be glad when you are in prison. Do you guys know that he wrote most of the epistles when he was in prison? And the epistle is a letter to the church. So this is a point where Paul is like, This church, you know what, I, I, I love you guys. I see you guys. I see how hard you guys are at work. I know I haven't been with you guys for a while. I'm currently locked up. But don't worry. I'm going to send someone. I've got, you know, like a son to me, Timothy. He's going to go there and he's going to be with you. And I, I love you guys. Just know that. I tell you what, you see shows. You see people when they're like in prison. I hate this. I hate my life. Everything sucks. Everything's doing that. And yet, Paul's saying, imitate me as I imitate Christ. All right, so when you are in prison, when you are in the darkest place, that is when you should be showing the most encouragement. And when you are absolutely beaten, that is when you should be loving the most. Paul, Paul, you guys need to understand lives in such a way I want you guys to, to look at I'm going to go to 2 Corinthians 11 22 to 28 because I want you guys to show how Paul lived if Paul's saying imitate me as I imitate Christ and Paul lives in such a way that alright if, if I'm going to live like Christ how am I supposed to do this so 2 Corinthians 11 verse 22 to 28 says and this is Paul speaking these, these such things are called a super apostles these are uh, apostles that have gone there and preached the news, the good news of Jesus, but they're done in such a way that glorifies them and doesn't glorify God. That, that's what Paul says. Paul's saying, they are Hebrews, so am I. They are Israelites, so am I. They are descendants of Abraham, so am I. Are they ministering servants of Christ? I am talking like the one beside me, but I am more with far more extensive and abundant labors 
with far more imprisonment, beaten, with countless stripes, and frequently put at the point of death. He doesn't stop there. He's like, you know what? Okay, then. If I'm going to boast, if you guys want to boast, I'm going to boast. I'm going to lower myself. I'm going to boast. I'm going to show you. Five times I received from the hands of the Jews 40 lashes all but once. Three times I have been beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I have been aboard a ship, wrecked at sea, a whole night and a day I have spent adrift on the deep. Many times on journeys, exposed to perils from rivers, perils from bandits, perils from my own nation, perils from the Gentiles, perils in the city, perils in the desert places, perils in the sea, perils from those posing as believers. In toil and hardship, watching often through sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, frequently driven to fasting by want, in cold and exposure and lack of clothing. And besides those things that are without, there's the daily inescapable pressure of my care and anxiety for all the churches. I've had my own people come after me. I should be dead. I should be. I sh- this, this should be enough that turns me away from Christ. Oh, but I have a greater mission because there are those out there right now that have no idea who he is. So I'm going to live as Christ. I'm going to live as Christ and that if it comes to it and it is my time to be called home because we have been sent from there. If it's my time to be called home, then so be it. Why? Because I'll be home with the Father. But I'm not going to wait for that. I'm going to live in such a way now. I'm going to live in such a way now because all the pain and suffering was worth it. Paul's in prison and these guys are out there and, he's, and, and these super apostles are like, yeah, all this, Jesus, yeah, cool. Now I need a bit of money to go to my next place. And they, they're doing it all for themselves. And yet Paul is in prison and he's standing there. And Paul, Paul is there and he goes, people are like, guys, Paul, what are you doing? Like, these guys, they're, they're out there preaching the gospel, getting their own wealth, and yet you're stuck in prison. You're stuck in prison. Why? Why? You should be angry. You should be livid. You should be so annoyed. But Christ is there. Being, so what? All right, yeah. So what? Because at the end of the day, as long as Jesus is being preached, as long as people are hearing his name, that is all that matters, and that is the price I will pay every single day. That is what Christ is saying. That is what Paul says. And we look at Paul. He murdered his own people. Jews, people that believed in God, ripped them out of their homes, women, children, fathers, persecuted every single one of them. And yet God was like, you know what? I'm going to have my own children. There's going to be some in the future that there are some here now that think, I have done some bad things. You have no idea. You have no idea, Jesus. You, know, you have no idea what I've done. And so Jesus is like, all right. All right, but do you, know, do you understand even what Paul's done? Have you murdered Christians? I mean, have you, have you done that? Have you persecuted your own people? Paul lived in such a way 
that we have an example and a demonstration on this is the extent of what you could do. And yet, God's love is so much more unfathomable. You have no idea. And then it doesn't mean that, okay, well, he's done all these things. He's, 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 God just forgets them all. No. He's forgiven, but then they're thrown and God remembers them no more. It's not, oh, they're thrown into the sea for forgetfulness. Where is this ocean? I would love to know where all mine are. No, God says, I will remember them no more. And we think, okay, well, then we get off with everything. No, you don't. There are consequences to your own actions. And people think, oh, but you live for a God that, that, that says, okay, well, you get off. You do what you want. You believe in Jesus, but you do what you want and live your life however you want, and that's perfectly fine. You do, you do that. That's how people live. Oh, I'm going to come to Christ then. You know, I dare people to do that. I dare you to even call on the Lord's name and then think you're going to live like you want, because I promise you right now it's not going to happen. But I dare you, because at least you're calling on his name. But this, this, is, this is what it is, because we look at Paul, though, but he, he murdered Christians. He, he, you go look at it. He, he did these things. He did these things. He says in Galatians 1.13, You have heard of my earlier career and former manner of life in the Jewish religion, Judaism, how I persecuted and abused the church of God furiously and extensively. Imagine using those words, furiously and extensively. Do you guys know that Paul had such a thing as a thorn in his side? Now, it was never confirmed what it is. It was never taken away, but he lived with a thorn in his side, something that hurt. And we think that he, gets, he got away with it. No, he was forgiven, and he was brought under the blood, and then from there, he was going to preach the gospel, 100%. But... And here's the but. He lived in the consequences of his mistakes. Now, could you imagine? He was going back to the same people that he persecuted. And he's walking. He's going there. And he's like, guys, I'm here to preach the good news of the gospel. And they're like, yeah, but you killed my mum. And you murdered my family. And he had these people saying over and over again to every single town he went into, you've done this and you've done that to my family. And he's like, you've done that. Okay, sweet. But, but that, that's all right. Why? Because that is what I'm called to do. That no matter what, to die, what is gain? To live is Christ though. To live is Christ. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap it up. Because I could talk on this so long. I could. I could. I could get so lost. All I want to leave you with. All I want to leave you is that Jesus showed the biggest example of living like this in the garden. And you can go find it on your own. But he was at anguish. He was in such a way. And yet, even in the biggest despair of his life, he said, God, not your will, but mine. Because so many people have lived like me, but now I'm going to show them how to live like me. That even when I walk the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Why? Because Jesus did such a thing that in a garden right before he was going to be absent, he was going to be hung on a cross for your sins. He lived in such a way that demonstrates to us how we are supposed to live. So right now, I want to, I want to ask you guys all to stand. And I want to do something. I want, to, I want this to be today a, a declaration. There may be those in here that may be thinking, yeah, God, I, 
I want to recommit myself. I want to live in such a way to live like Christ. I really want to do this. And there may be some in here right now that are like, who is, who is this Jesus that he went through such a thing for me? I, I want to know this. I want to have an understanding of this. Even if it's just a yes, and then you let God do the rest. So this is what I want to do. I know it may be a little bit uncommon. And to be honest, all of us could be doing this. But I want to open up the platform right now, this front right here. And I want to ask you guys, if there is an inkling feeling, if there's something on your heart, it's like, I really, I really want to commit myself. I really want to live as Christ. I want to do this in such a way. I do. I want to ask you guys to come down to the front. I even open up to those that are like, oh, I just want to know who Christ is. This sounds amazing. Or I am freaked out. I don't know what this is, but I still want to know. I'm going to open up the front. And I want to get Pastor Daniel. I want to get Pastor Wynell and Paul. And I want them to be here. And even if it's just once. But I don't want it to be a moment when you let it go by that Christ is trying to grab your attention. So I'm going to give you some time. And I, I don't want to have to be like, this is the right decision. What do you feel? If, you're, if your heart is beating right now like that, and you're looking around and you're thinking, I want someone to go up, I want someone to go up, that this is for you. And so I'm going to give you guys some time, minute two. And if you would like prayer, and to be honest, all of us could be up here to, to live more like Christ. All of us could be doing this. If you want to be doing this, if you want to live in such a way, or even if you just want to know your Lord and Savior, even if you just want to know the, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, then I want to ask you to come to the front. And I want to give this opportunity of time. And I know it may be, may be startling and it may be a bit worried of like, well, what are people going to look like? Or... But I've been living like this. How are they going to? So what? It ain't their relationship. It's yours. It's your relationship with God. And that's what it should be. So I'm going to ask one last time, and then we're going to pray. Mm. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for the call that you have put on every single one of our lives, but also the lives of these people, right here, Adam, Jody, and Katie. And Lord, I pray, I pray over all of us, I cover all of us, and I pray right now that you will lead us in such a way to live like you, that you will lead us in such a way that we will be able to wake up every single morning and ask that you direct our footsteps, ask that you direct us in such a way to live like you. At whatever cost it comes, Lord, I may not know how to do it. We may not understand it yet, Father, but I thank you that you've given us a, your spirit that does. So I pray you take it at our pace, that you take us slowly, that you guide us in such a way to do it, Lord. But we, we give it to you. We surrender all to you and we ask that you come, fill us, and that we come to know who you are. Lord, I thank you for your undeserving love that you have lavished on us because you love us so much. I thank you for today, and we give you all the glory and exalt you in your name.
Amen.